It's Tuesday, March 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Ron Gross. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, guys. Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. great. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better than Dick's sporting goods. <laughs> Getting Which, right to it. There you go. I'm, I am right <laughs> down Silly to business. Segways are for kids. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about the internet celebrating a big birthday. But guys, let's begin with the world of high fashion. You know, we're all fashionable guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. relatively speaking. Okay, okay, maybe not. But let's talk personalized apparel. Let's talk Stitch Fix. Shares up more than 25% at the time of our taping on stronger than expected earnings and some upbeat guidance. Now, guys, Stitch Fix now has almost 3 million active clients. That's up 18% year over year. Andy and Ron, what do you think? Well, it was a it was a good quarter. Um, clients, as you mentioned, active clients grew eighteen percent. Revenues grew twenty five percent. We talked about this at the YouTube live last week, and I said anything above twenty four percent, I think, would be pretty well received by the by the investors in the street. And clearly, today, it was uh, profits. Uh, they came in at twelve cents per share. That was more than that was more than seven cents uh, last quarter, and far above estimates. And their guidance for the quarter, Mac, was pretty good. So overall, a pretty nice quarter for Stitch Fix. We have to remember last quarter they reported growth that wasn't quite as well received, and the stock really got hit. So this is a lot of kind of rebounding off of those lows. The stock has has climbed back from those lows, but this was a continuation of that. The talk and the the conversation with Katrina Lake, who owns more than 13% of the company, she's the co-founder of the business, a lot of the conversation was that the year is looking pretty good, and that growth for the year is somewhere, and that revenue growth somewhere in that 25-26% range, which is an acceleration off the last couple quarters. So, growth picture really pretty healthy, Mac. The cost side is what I was watching, because the sales and general administration costs really exploded during the quarter, and and that kept profits about flat, but really, investors are really much more focused on the revenue growth. Ron, now this stock is heavily shorted, um, meaning that there are a lot of a lot of shares yeah. um, that essentially are we're betting against the stock, right? Correct. So when we look at a run up like this, how much of this do we do we think is because the business is really improving, and how much of this is people covering those short positions? People who are like, "Wow, probably shouldn't have bet against the stock." Well. If you see things improving and you're short and you're betting against the stock, then you want to cover, right? You want to stop betting against the stock. And an influx of buying happens as a result of that. That's commonly known as a short squeeze. And you don't want to be on the on the other end of that being held short the stock when the stock is is skyrocketing up 25%. Um, now it depends on a case by case basis how much uh, a stock's increase is caused by short squeeze. It's almost a guess. We won't know until we see how many uh, shares are the short the short sorry the um, how many shares held short uh, decrease. But I would guess in a case like this 75% plus. Of the increase in the stock is a result of short sellers covering their shorts. So, for for reference sake, the, the number of stocks, uh, the shares sold short compared to the company's float. So that's basically the shares that are available for trading was thirty percent. So that's a very high number, which tells us that there were a lot of shares 
bet against a lot of investors betting against um, Stitch Fix uh, running up to this quarter. And when the stock starts to move, if they have to go out and cover those shorts, they have to buy the stock in the market. That continues to put more and more pressure on the shorts, so more and more people bidding up the stock, and that continues to send the stock higher and higher. So I think I think Ron's right. I think a good um, Part of today's move was because of that that short squeeze. I just look at the numbers and I say, hey, it was a really nice quarter. The growth is continuing for uh, Katrina Lake and for Stitch Fix. There's a lot of competition there too, Mac. Like Amazon wardrobe is out there now. They're doing a lot more advertisement. But Stitch Fix, the algorithms they're building, they have more than 100 data scientists out there. They are continuing to build out their offerings in the United Kingdom, which is adding to their cost structure. So they continue to make the investments that they need to be able to compete in a very competitive marketplace. Remember, shorting can be a pretty risky proposition, right? Because a stock can theoretically go up to infinity, but if you're long, a stock can only go down to zero. So you theoretically have an unlimited loss potential if you're short a stock. And that's why you don't want to let things get too far out of hand and you end up seeing people come back into the market, closing their shorts and buying the stock. Okay, so let's talk about the business a bit more because I, I confess that I'm, I'm a bit of a stitch fix skeptic. Um, I, I know it's, it's, Kind of unfair, but I think of it a little in the same vein as I think of Blue Apron, where you're delivering stuff to me. Sometimes I'm not going to use it. I have to send it back. Mm-hmm. Not not the case with Blue Apron. But is right. there is there really a big enough market here? And the other thing is, you have this whole simplicity. Does it bring me joy? Movement, and Stitch Fix is in the business of getting you to buy more stuff. Yeah, I'm. I am a skeptic as well. Andy, correct me, because I'm not an expert on the stock, but I think it's all really about proving out this algorithm that Mm -hmm. they have. It's a technology. The technology could actually be used to sell anything, really, probably. Um, But I think investors, once they feel comfortable with this algorithm, you could see the stock really start to move. But until that happens, everything everybody's can kind of wait and see. Yeah, I think if this was Costco's Stitch Fix, Mac would be all over it. Um, <laughs> I, I think generally you're right. There, it's a it's a very large market. We still buy of about a third of our apparel online. What they are trying to do is get as they get more and more of these three million active customers, and these are people who have used um, Stitch Fix in the past year, continuing to put in more and more data. The data and the algorithms get smarter and smarter. The revenue per user, which by the way saw continue, continues to see some acceleration and continues to see some growth, which is really good. Uh, as you use Stitch Fix more and more, you spend more and more with them. So yes, Mac, it is a little bit of like get us to spend more. I mean, that's what retail does basically. That's their job is they're trying to get us to spend more and more. You think Amazon's not sitting there out there trying to get us to spend more and more? Of course they are. So Stitch Fix's algorithms are doing that. They're having some success. They continue to see very healthy retention rates, and in the marketplace. Data is going to win this game. I think when you look out five, ten years, we will be spending more and more of our dollars when we have to buy clothes using more sophisticated algorithms than just getting in our car and going to Costco. But Costco is still obviously a great company and great stock. Okay, so as we wrap up here, one one of the ways that they arrive at that algorithm is they actually ask you questions as you're filling out your profile about your fashion sense. So, in that vein, I'm curious, how would you characterize your fashion sense? Ron Gross in a word. And Andy Cross, I want you to be thinking about that as well. Uh, unexciting. Okay. Interesting. 90s with an edge. Oh, I like that. I like that. Nice. Mac, yeah, how about you? you? How about you, Mac? I had three words. I had predictable, uninspired, and blue. 
Wow. So and Kirkland. <laughs> that's that's the other problem. Kirkland. I mean, I think Stitch Fix would be more appealing to me if they would just send me like five blue shirts every month. <laughs> they'll, then, they'll do that. They I will, bet. Yes, they'll do that. They will. They, you can give them ninety data points when you sign up, Mac, and uh, and they'll they'll send you lots of blue shirts. Okay, and and when we look at the stock, it has been a total roller coaster. Went public in 2017 around 15 bucks, got as high as 50, and then fell all the way down to 17. Today, on today's pop, trades in the mid 30s. So going forward over the next five years, does this stock be the market? I think it does. Here's here's my um, Ron had mentioned a little bit about the danger of being short. I will say, Stitch Fix's volatility, the stock is about three times as volatile as the regular stock market. So you have to be able to. Sit through the ups and the downs, but I think long term, over the next five years, Stitch Fix is a winner. So, but maybe not a good fit for all investors. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh man, sorry. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Dick Sporting Goods. Shares down Tuesday on earnings, down big. Um, Ron, falling profits. Falling sales, falling same store sales. That doesn't sound great. Not a great quarter, Mac. I think you <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, uh, look, I'll do a little bit of adjusting here because there was a 53rd week in fiscal 2017. So, to be fair, we'll adjust for that. Um, even when you do, still not a great quarter. Same store sales down 2.2%, net sales down 6.5%. One bright spot, I think we could say, where e-commerce sales were up 17%, now account for 23% of total sales versus 19% in the fourth quarter of 2017. So, making some headway um, online. Um, guidance was somewhat tepid, but interestingly, they did raise their dividend 22%. Um, at, at that rate, um, you get a dividend yield of about 3.1%. For so for those looking for yield, um, not too shabby. But of course, you always have to be concerned about total return because if you're getting 3% yield but the stock's going down, it's not really something you should be all too excited about. So we got to keep an eye on the business. Um, they did buy some stock back um, over the course of the year at reasonable prices, I think. Um, so they've got to turn this ship a bit, though. Not not a great quarter. And Ron, last year after the Parkland shooting, um, Dix announced that they're going to stop selling firearms to buyers under the age of 21, and they also pulled all of their assault-style rifles. And now um, today they came out and announced that they're going to be removing guns from 125 stores. Um, we don't know which stores. They didn't specify that, but they said in markets where the hunting category underperforms. Yeah, they did see some weakness when they did it um, back after Parkland, which I, I guess makes sense. Um, the, the revenue in those in, in some markets did go down, and I will anticipate that this will have an, an additional effect, causing revenue to go down, even though they're strategically closing in underperforming markets where that category may have not been so robust. But you'll probably see additional dips. But you know what? They're making. They're making a moral, a political, an ethical, I don't know what word you want to use, principled. a principled stance, and um, more power to them. Uh, depending on your politics, you're either happy or you're not. Um, but I applaud them for, for making a decision. It's still, you know, they still got a way to go if they're going to roll this out across the board because there's more than 700 um, Dick Sporting Goods stores, um, and this is only 125, um, but baby steps perhaps. And looking out over the last five years, shares down big. They've lost to the market. What do you think about the next five years, Ron? 
you know, the stock looks cheap at 11 times earnings mm-hmm. and a 3.1% dividend yield, but I just get worried here. I you, you might make some money in the stock over the long term. I don't think it would be a market beater, though. Andy, when you think of Dick's Sporting Goods, is it Amazon proof? No, it's not. I think when you look at their inventories are growing six to seven percent this past quarter, and their revenues falling, that's a tough sign for retailers. So I think we saw some of the struggles they have with some of the larger brands, especially in the athletic goods over the over the years, and that's just going to be a tough spot. I think I applaud them for the initiatives they're making, but overall, I think Dix will be probably be less relevant um, over the next five to ten years than it is today. And that's the way the ball bounces. Guys, that is genius. You didn't like that song? <laughs> genius might like be a bit of <laughs> I like the fix. An exaggeration. Go back to the fix. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So let's wrap up with a happy birthday to the World Wide Web. 30 years ago, an English software engineer named Tim Berners Lee submitted the idea at a physics lab in Switzerland, and the rest is history. Now, Ron, we were talking before the show. And you're recounting your early days as an internet analyst. Ah, those are the days, Mac. It was 1996, a simpler time. (laughs) Al Gore had just invented the internet. No, um, it was 1996. I was an internet analyst, I want to say, for less than a year. Um, during a time where there weren't many internet stocks out there. It was a combination of telecom equipment and the technology behind the internet and internet stocks. I remember I followed America Online and Netscape and Lycos and Excite and Lycos Yahoo. Lycos with the dog. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a really interesting time for this new thing called the internet, and, and none of us knew much about it, but it was pretty exciting stuff. It basically brought me here. I was an analyst uh, at an investment firm in Pennsylvania in '95 when I think Netscape and Yahoo both went public, and was studying uh, media and and uh, food and beverage companies. And I was like, "Wow, this internet thing is kind of interesting." And then I knew uh, Tom and David were starting uh, the had started the Motley Fool, and um, we're on AOL and pushing over to the World Wide Web, which was this exciting and unknown. Area with like chat rooms and uh, all this um, self-publishing uh, adventures by consumers, and just seemed like an exciting place for investors to be. And I think I first met David and Tom in 1997. I was producing a TV show in Washington D.C., and they were on. It was Halloween, and I remember David talking about this company that sold books online called Amazon. And I <laughs> and I thought, you know, this guy's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> I mean, I had a perfectly good books a million just right down the street. I mean, really, I'm like online. Books, I don't think that's going to work. The one in DuPont Circle? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Turns out Amazon, God, Amazon's yeah. panned out pretty well. Can't do bad. We um, are old. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite? We were talking a little before the show. Do you have a favorite early website, something you're a little nostalgic <laughs> for? I mean, my, well, mine will always be keyword fool and AOL at oh, first, nice. and then and then uh, heading over keyword uh, fool and, and fool.com. I remember us creating our first website at the our first online website, not AOL. This is when AOL was really the dominant player online, and then as the um, the World Wide Web started to grow, and just thinking about the way we designed that web page, the late night sessions surrounded by, you know, a, a couple of six packs of beer, and um, and then just what that looked like compared to today it was just a lot of fun to, to to think back. But that those were certainly exciting days with what was happening on the investing landscape because. Just a quick reminder, reminder, back then, individual investors were basically treated like the bottom of the barrel, and were, the Motley Fool was really trying to advocate for them in so many ways. So, this was a great chance for us to, to spread our message. MySpace, baby. MySpace. MySpace. I wow. miss it. 
I thought you were. How about how about That's, hamster dance? Do you remember hamster I dance? Remember, but I never was. It was on just it. all these hamsters that would just kind of dance back and forth. It was it was basically a, a Space Invaders version two point oh. But yeah. I think Ask, Ask Jeeves was pretty cool because it was like the yes, first yes, right yes. first kind of Siri kind oh, of yeah. AI yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and it had the. Uh, it had like the butler. The butler. The so butler. much yeah. better than I web crawler. Web yeah, crawler web is the crawler. first search yeah, yeah, engine yeah. I and it's like yeah. a spider with a magnifying glass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't crawl. I mean, yeah. if you're gonna don't you know, I don't want a search engine to be called like manatee. It's just you so, want something fast. It's funny as we're talking about this, I think this was at the time when the guys at Google were basically at the University of Michigan designing all their better algorithms than <laughs> Yahoo. Yes. I mean, really back then. And web crawler and web crawler. And they're they're in the like as they are developing this and seeing what's happening in the public market. Markets and then all of a sudden they're you know uh, ten years later they're going public and uh, and now worth billions. So as we go back thirty years to the um, invention and the birth of the internet, nineteen eighty nine, first episode of The Simpsons, which oh, is still mm, running. Yes. Okay. Wow. Top of the music charts, Paradise City by Guns N' Roses, What I Am by Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, nice. and yes. Millie Vanilli, girl, you know it's true. <laughs> oh, that ended tragically. <laughs> That's sad. Wow. 90s with wow. an edge, baby. 90s with an edge. 90s with an edge. Okay, so as we wrap up here, it's the desert island question. <laughs> Do not invest this way at home. But if you're on a desert island and you know, you've got some free time and you've got a few <laughs> stocks, you've got some investment choices, and you've got to buy and hold because you're gonna be there for a while. So you've got to pick one of these for the next five years. Let's go stitch fix. Dick Sporting Goods, or how about the S and P five hundred, just an index fund? Wow. I was thinking Ask Jeeves, but I'll go. St- <laughs> I'll go Stitch Fix. Wow. Okay, to to beat the market, Ron yeah. Gross, S and P five hundred all the way. Okay. Well, if you have thoughts on anything we've talked about, if you have fashion tips, if you have Stitch Fix advice. Um, if you have favorite old websites, or if you yeah. have an opinion on hamster dance, let us know. How could Market you not have an opinion on hamster dance? <laughs> it's so great. They were hamsters, but they were dancing. Reminds me yes. of the Microsoft paperclip. Oh, clipping! Oh, I love clipping. clipping. Oh, that was just that so was, horrible. That was never a good idea. God, terrible. It's like my segues. Okay. MarketFoolery at Fool.com is our email. Questions, comments, let us know. MarketFoolery at Fool.com. Ron, Andy, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks Mac. Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of MarketFoolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. 